Welcome back to On the Prowl, presented by Cardiac Cats. I'm your host, Jacob Shorba, and I'm joined once again by Griffin Fisher, a diehard fan of the Kansas City Chiefs, where we'll remorse in one of the most painful Jacksonville games in recent history, and potentially we'll listen to some tirades about those evil Bengals. How are you doing today? Better than uh, mid-afternoon Sunday. Yeah, it's good to just take a break. Yeah, I've had some time to recoup and go out in the real world, but I'm back on football. Yep, I, uh, I've i convinced myself that the Jaguars are better than what they look Sunday, so I'm, I'm feeling better now. I gotta do that. It just takes, like, a day or two until I can kind of wash the taste of defeat out of my mouth, so... Oh yeah, I've already I've already gotten to the point of just pretending like the Chiefs are guaranteed to win their win, win out for the rest of the season now. So all we need is the Bills to lose once and we're good. I've gone completely off the deep end. Hey, that's me every year. I mean, we're talking about five and oh, nine and eight season playoffs. Like it's it's all there, of course. But yeah, let's uh let's get into the more real things than that. And we'll start things off by talking about what's happened this last week and some of our not so great predictions. So the first thing I just, I don't understand how this is possible. The Jaguars may have actually put up the best game out of their entire division last week. You had the Colts just get completely stomped at the end of their game. Over 50 points scored against them. And I think it was multiple offensive turnovers. The Texans, somehow, they didn't allow a touchdown on defense. But the Texans, as a team, gave up three touchdowns. The offense gave up three touchdowns. They got blown out by the Browns without giving out a touchdown. I I don't think that's happened before in the history of the NFL, as far as I can remember. And then there's the Titans, who ended up getting destroyed by, well, this guy they know, uh, his name's A.J. Brown, really good football player, and he just dominated them in that game. And so they're uh, they're definitely angry over there in Nashville. They took it out on their GM today. Um, he's gone now. I think it's John Robinson. So honestly, um, actually, I think that's a good move. I think it'll be... Uh, better for them to work with someone else in the future because it's it just seems like every year Vrabel is taking a team that's not great and turning it into a playoff team. So maybe they'll re- be better. He has to restart that every year too. He has like yeah. rebuild the entire team. It feels like, and then every year he gets it to a playoff contending team. If they just had some sort of consistency over there, the Titans could probably build a team that really is it has a shot at uh, winning the Super Bowl. Hundred percent. I I am surprised that they fired their GM midseason after a loss that was still predicted by most people. It's not like the Titans were the favorite in that game. I was a little shocked to hear that news. Yeah, it seems like it could be a little premature, but the news honestly scares me more long term because I think the Titans are just going to be a better team. Moving forward, I think if they kept him, they would be um, operating under a lower ceiling. You know, you look at their first round draft picks most of these years, they're just awful. They can't hit on players that early. And you can't build a really good roster when you can't hit on your best picks. So I am scared of them long term based off of that news. But 
you know, we hope that maybe it's going to cause some dysfunction in the organization, at least this week. And maybe Jacksonville can win, um, get some momentum back. Uh, I think realistically the season's done, but we're going to have hope if we can have hope. So you need to at least have a strong finish to the season to get everyone kind of ready for next year and, and have more of a winning uh, atmosphere to the team. 100%. The goal is to set the floor as high as possible. Being a division rival would be huge, too. That's a big uh, change to the locker room if you go into the Titans and beat them. Yep, especially when the last time they beat them was under the Obama administration. And it oh, was not at the end of the Obama administration, either. It was That the is rough. Yeah, that it's was, been a while. Uh, that was a while ago. Yep, just a wee bit. But... <laughs> Yeah, um, AFC South, not a good week. And then you got the uh, Garoppolo news out for the season, like you mentioned. And for the first time in NFL history, Mr. Irrelevant, the the first time ever that that player has completed a pass. It's never happened before where the last pick of the NFL draft has taken a snap at quarterback and completed a pass. And that changed. I didn't think he looked terrible either. I don't I don't think the 49ers whenever you heard that news a lot of people are like oh sees their season's done. I I mean that 100% hurts their chances to like going to the Super Bowl. But I think they can legitimately make it to the playoffs and with the weapons they have as long as that as long as Purdy can just check down to Christian McCaffrey, they can win a couple games in the playoffs even. Yeah, I genuinely agree. I don't think that they're knocked out of the Super Bowl because of this. I think with the way the NFL is this year, they could actually be fine. I actually, um, as funny as it is, stumbled randomly across Brock Purdy. I think it was yesterday because I was trying to look at some stuff as far as scouting. Yes, we are at that time of the year as Jacksonville fans. And I was looking at some stuff on Xavier Hutchinson because he's from Jacksonville. He's one of the upcoming wide receiver prospects this next draft. And his quarterback used to be Brock Purdy. And he looked pretty impressive, like from the college film. He was definitely a determined guy. He's a competitor. You know, he's someone who you can actually trust as a quarterback over there with such a great roster. Now, if we're talking about like, oh, he's starting for the Colts or he's starting for like, ah, just say, Texans. I don't know what are tech. Well, I don't want to just hit the AFC South like that. That's why I'm trying to think of another, Broncos. another team. No, Broncos. The Broncos. Never mind. That would improve the Broncos. <laughs> What's in there? A bad team? Uh, the Rams. The Rams. Yeah, that'd yeah. be a bad spot. Yep. Spot. It, it would. Uh, it would not work out as well. But they have a really great roster in San Francisco, and it's just about getting the yeah, playmakers, playmakers the ball. Yep. As long as he just gets the ball away to them, you can have Samuel or you can have McCaffrey do the rest. I mean, look at Christian McCaffrey with the Panthers for all those years. He was the only player almost. Yeah, Christian McCaffrey was literally their entire offense. And you saw Panther seasons get derailed from him being out all year. Fantasy seasons get derailed from him being out all year. All of the above. A little salty about that still. Always will be. Um, and then the other big thing, um, the Bengals defeating the Chiefs. Big game. Um, honestly, kind of shocked they won to some extent. I thought it was possible, but I thought the Chiefs would get them, especially with this being a game that they supposedly prepared for all offseason. You would have thought maybe 
They would look ahead, lose some of the games before, and then just stomp the Bengals. But it was the opposite. Won all the games before, and then lost to the Bengals. So I figured I'd give you some time to talk about that. Yes, and it didn't look like they didn't prepare for the game. And the Chiefs looked like they went out with the strategy to beat the Bengals. The Bengals yes. will let you run on them. That is how that is their defensive scheme. They will let you run on them, but they will shut down the pass. And the Chiefs ran on them for most of the game. The Chiefs ran more than I think I've ever seen them run with Mahomes here since maybe the Kareem Hunt era. And it was surprising because the Chiefs did look like they had a plan. I think the Bengals also circled this game, though. I think they wanted to be a team that could say they've beat the Chiefs three times in a row. No other team had done that. There's not Tom Brady, not Justin Herbert, not Josh Allen. No team has gone into, or not gone in, but played Mahomes and won three times in a row. And the Bengals just showed that. And and I know Chiefs fans get a bad rap about talking about the refs. And I will kind of go against them on this. There were some bad calls early in the game that even New York disagreed with. But you can't say those affected the game. Those were so early in the game. And the Chiefs were still within one score that whole time. That by the end of the game, if the Chiefs secondary or defense had done anything at all to stop the Bengals. You wouldn't even be talking about calls because the Chiefs would have won. And I would love for the NFL to make it way more clear in the referees of what is a penalty and what isn't because the roughing the passers throughout the whole league this year have been awful. There has been huge games decided by it and the Bengals and Chiefs game wasn't decided by roughing the passer call, but the Raiders game almost was and the Falcons lost a game because of one. So I think in the off season, the NFL has to come out and make a clear statement on what's a roughing the passer call and what is it? Yeah, I think that would be fair. I think in regards to penalties, um, something that a lot of teams acknowledge and have to realize is that you know great teams, teams that are going to make the Super Bowl and go places, they have to be able to overcome that. Unfortunately, yep, that. It, it's it's sad because sometimes you can be slightly better and lose a game even though you played better in that game because of the way penalties come in i mean for example i'll I'll talk about the things i know you know jacksonville had that exact thing happen to them in yeah early 2018 if they were a great team that year they would have won that game still even with the miles jack call but they didn't they couldn't overcome it they fell apart and that's why they lost the game if that that call changes, you know, they probably win, but if they were a great team, they would have won that. And so the Chiefs, I think they are a great team. I think right now they're not the favorite in the AFC following that game. I think there's a lot of teams that can win it. I think the Chiefs are still very high on that list, and I don't think it's unrealistic to expect them to still win the AFC, um, depending on how you feel about that. But they will have to learn how to overcome that because the truth is, Sometimes the NFL does um, get involved in games, does make calls that hurt teams, but they cannot fully control the outcome of games. And so teams have to learn to overcome that in today's NFL. And I, I a hundred percent agree with you. I think the chiefs defense is it's really young, especially in the secondary. And I think they just 
couldn't adapt to the Bengals. And the Chiefs secondary has been uh, handsy. They they grab onto jerseys a lot. And it's not egregious stuff, but they're going to have to learn where the line is if they're going to want to play like that. Because one pass interference call can extend a drive. And that happened in that game. And was it a terrible pass interference? No. But you have to learn that even just a little bit, if you gave them that, if the Bengals went down and scored a touchdown on that drive, that was going to be over. And in the end, by the end of the game, those points probably would have affected the outcome. So I think the Chiefs have to learn to overcome penalties like that. And I think they have to learn to kind of follow the rules better. Even if those rules are something I disagree with, like the roughing the passer calls this year, they're going to have to find a way to work around that. And they're going to have to, uh, they're going to have to elevate to a team that can have a penalty happen to them and still win. And I think they, they've shown that they can do that. They show that in the Raiders game, that pass interference called in the rate or the, the roughing the passer call against Derek Carr. That was awful, but the chiefs managed to overcome that. The issue is that the Raiders aren't a good team. They weren't able to overcome that against the Bengals. So I think they got to, like what you said, they have to overcome those calls and become a great team. That one one or two bad calls doesn't completely change the game. Yes, and they have the foundation to be a great team. They've proven they can be a great team. You know, time will just tell what happens there. Um. We'll go ahead. We'll start talking about you know the most surprising teams and disappointing teams, and it's really easy for both of us this week to just pick Jaguars and Chiefs as the most disappointing. So uh, I'll just kind of blanket statement before we both feel that our teams were most disappointing, but we yeah. will talk about other teams because we don't want to um, just talk about that. We're trying to go around the NFL a little bit. So for you. Out of all the teams in the NFL, who do you think was the most surprising this last week? Most surprising? I would say the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I got to listen to that game while driving to work, the end of that game. And whenever I heard that Tom Brady had one more shot to go down the field and win, I already knew the game was over. I think even on a team that is not very good, Tom Brady can still elevate them to go and win games. And I know the Saints are not a good team, but the Saints have had the Buccaneers number for a long time now. And beating a team like that is a huge, it's still a huge thing because the atmosphere changes everything. Look at the Broncos. The Chiefs have destroyed them for a long time. And I think that's a huge impact on their team. The Texans have beaten the Jaguars for a long time. The Saints had kind of owned the Buccaneers for a while now. So for Tom Brady to overcome that, and overcome the fact that the Buccaneers' offensive line's garbage, and they don't have a whole lot of weapons that are performing well right now, and march down the field and score shows that, as much as I hate to say it, the Buccaneers aren't done and Tom Brady isn't done. And I think if they get some momentum, they can legitimately win a playoff game or two. Yeah, I'm definitely impressed by it, because I remember talking to you last night, seeing the score, with like what six minutes left and just saying oh yeah saints got him we were right on that and we were wrong they came back and they did it with like what was there eight seconds or four seconds left on the clock at the end of the game i mean it was a buzzer beater i gotta hear kevin harlan call that it was great 
Yeah. He was uh, electric. And yeah. he should have been. That game, Tom Brady just did a classic Tom Brady drive down the field. And, and I was mad inside, but at the same time, I could just feel it happening. I could, I knew it was going to happen. Yeah. They, uh, Tom they Brady played... used his dark magic one last time. Yeah, he did. They played a really great game <laughs> at the very end. And the Saints just kind of did everything they needed to wrong. Um, you know, they had a lot of opportunities to finish that game and they just couldn't get it done. They couldn't put it away. And if you're doing that against Tom Brady, even if he's 40 something years old, you still can't do it. So yeah, for me, the most surprising team of this last week was the 49ers because that game, I think early they went down and then you had Garoppolo out. I might be wrong on that first part. They might have no, been the lead right. the whole game, but I think they were losing. Garoppolo gets hurt. That should kill a team, especially when that's your second string quarterback going down because you already had Trey Lance get knocked out earlier this year. And yeah, you reverted the 40- to a third string. Yeah, and the 49ers didn't just win the game by a thread. No, they beat them like 33-17. to 17. And they actually forced Tua to throw an interception. I think they might have had multiple turnovers on the Dolphins. Yeah, they played a great game in spite of all of it. And so, you know, kind of like we were talking about, the 49ers are still a team that can go make the Super Bowl, even with a third-string quarterback. When's the last time that's happened? Because I'm pretty sure Philadelphia, it was second-string. Was yeah, not third string. It wasn't string. even that bad. Yeah, it's worse than what Doug Peterson had to do in Philadelphia. And they're still alive. Uh, they've got an interesting game coming up. I don't think it's this week. It's the week after. They'll play the Seahawks, who just had a huge last-minute win. And that might be another surprising team that doesn't get mentioned today. Um, that's going to be a big game. And the 49ers may win this division with everything going wrong, with all their injury issues they have every year. They could are pull very off. similar. They're almost like an NFC Titans to where every year they have everything go wrong, but they still somehow construct a team that can play solid games and win. Yeah, the difference is that they win playoff games, though, outside of one <laughs> year. Sorry, I, oh. I'm not trying to throw throw a jab I mean, at the true. Titans. They win the division every year. I mean, respect to them, but the truth is they don't go anywhere in the playoffs. and. They're better still because we don't they, even get to the playoffs. Yeah, they collapse in, in the playoffs every year. Yeah. So I think that's the only big difference. But yeah, um, no quarterback usually on both teams. They screw that up or they have someone who's okay. You know, and I, that's how I feel about Ryan Tannehill. He's okay. And I'm sure he'll prove me wrong this week. I'm sure he'll play like his best version uh, just despite the Jaguars. But. Yeah, as far as disappointments, though, who was your most disappointing team outside of the Jaguars and Chiefs? I looked around the games for a while, and I came back to one I actually watched the end of, which was the Broncos and Ravens. And I'm going to have to say the Ravens. That team, without Lamar Jackson, is a team that can only beat the Broncos by one point. That that team, I mean, they have Mark Andrews. And they can't even utilize him properly. They should have crushed the Broncos with or without Lamar Jackson. 
but them only beating them by one point, 10 to nine with Lamar Jackson hurt shows that that team needs to pay Lamar. They need him on the team and they need him to be healthy because when he's gone, they can't, they can barely beat what I would consider the worst team in the entire NFL. So yeah. that, that was a huge disappointment this week from them. And if Lamar is not healthiest next week, which I, he's not projected to be, I expect the Steelers to beat them. Yeah, and I'll probably be right there with you. You also forgot one other um, really good player on their offense, tight end prodigy, Josh Oliver. Oh, yeah. 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 He had a star game last week. Yeah, that name's familiar to me for some reason, but I just figured I should throw him in there. You know, it's almost like the uh, the Ravens' offense was really similar to the Broncos' offense, where like they have some pieces around the quarterback, but their quarterback is non-existent. I mean, is it not the same? You know, Russell Wilson just—he's not good this year. Russell Wilson is worse than Tyler Huntley. Yeah. Uh, sure. I mean, hundred percent. <laughs> Maybe it'll change wrong, next yeah. year. It's not a wrong statement. I mean, at this point, I'm pretty sure if the Chiefs sent Chad Henney to the Broncos, that uh, there would be winning more games. <laughs> yeah, there's you a know good what? I'm 100 percent certain of that. Actually, I'm not even just kind of sure. I'm pretty yeah. sure the Jaguars could ship off who, Blaine Gabbers that you have. Who we had, and then it was who Chad Henney. Actually, they uh, yeah, they battled each other for a while. That would have been a. Those are some gladiator battles, I'm sure. Yeah, they're both backing up the best quarterbacks of all time, you know. Yep. <laughs> Blaine Gabbard down he'll in He'll be there for uh, a while, too. So he'll be 45 years old as the backup in Kansas City. Yeah, you know, there were actually people, um, not to get too off track, but there were people in Tampa Bay who were literally saying that they were considering Blaine Gabbard their next starting quarterback after Tom Brady. Just because I, he sat under Tom Brady. Yeah. They actually are considering that. That would have been uh, a bad move. Yeah, and, and if uh, Tom Brady retires after this year, which he probably won't, um, that would mean the Jaguars would play Blaine Gabbert next year if that happened because the Bucks are going to be on our schedule from what I saw. So, yeah, maybe we'll get to have another taste of that. It didn't go very well the last time we played them in Arizona. Um, for myself – yeah, Jaguars, most disappointing team for sure, but um, I'm going to choose a different one. I think the Chargers are the most disappointing team outside of them because for the Chargers, you know, and we talked about this last week and you kind of changed my mind on a little bit because I just haven't been that impressed with Justin Herbert. Sorry, impressed with Justin Herbert. Um, They're just failing him. They have like these pieces on offense that just can't, be as good as they should be like Mike Williams. They just re-signed. He's done virtually nothing. Uh, Keenan Allen was out like the first half of the year. Just constantly is like every week. Oh, he might come back. What he didn't. And uh, I guess he was doing his best Christian McCaffrey impression, but you got that. Austin Eckler is good, you know, but he's a running back and he's, he's a receiving uh, back as well, but catches more passes than Russian temps nowadays. Pretty much, but that's all you have. And then you got all these injuries and you got a coach that saw Doug Peterson 
uh, be risky on a Super Bowl run and thought, I'm going to do that on every play. I don't care if I'm at my own 15. If I've got a 51% chance to complete this, I'm going to complete it. And then, you know, they didn't make the playoffs last year because of it. It was just disappointing because you're playing the Raiders, who everyone was talking about them firing Josh McDaniels. And, you know, that hasn't happened. And the Raiders are actually kind of charging back right now, which is a tradition. Yeah. (laughs) Um, The Chargers should have won that game. They have no business losing those games. If they want to make the playoffs, if they want to stop being the perennial, oh, this team's going to go to the Super Bowl, but then they actually fail during the regular season, if they want to break out of that mold, you can't lose those games. You got to beat your rivals. You got to you got to win when you have the opportunity to win because that team will probably be sitting there the last week at like 8 and 8 or 9 and 7 and possibly not make the playoffs again. And it's just going to be talk every single year. I'm not impressed with the Chargers this year. At this point, the Raiders might actually take their playoff spot again. Yeah, again. (laughs) I was going to throw that in for you. (laughs) Because the Chargers, and I do, I actually am impressed with Justin Herbert. And he's playing injured this whole year. I can guarantee you his ribs still aren't properly healed. Better now, though. But that team lets him down. And I think it's mostly due with coaching. One, it's the it's whoever's in charge of conditioning there is awful. Every year, it's like half their stars are out by week three. And like the entire like uh, hope for the season is just dead right away. But it's also just the head coach. I don't think that's the right move. And the Chargers have to try something different because they should have been a playoff team for like three years now. And instead, they don't even make the playoffs. They lose to teams like the Raiders, who they should beat. Or they lose to teams like the Jaguars, who they should have beat. By And if we're looking, the Jaguars had to fly across the country to play them. They had never lost to the Jaguars at home in the entire history of the franchise. But I would 100% agree that not only were they disappointing this week, They've been a disappointment every week this year, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, look at the, the, the Chiefs crushed them last second twice. And if we're looking back to last year, the Chiefs have done it three times in a row with last second drives to beat them. How demoralizing is that as a franchise to have one of your rivals just own you in such a brutal way three times in a row? Yeah, it sets the culture. I was uh, listening, for example, like to Jaguars Happy Hour yesterday, probably my favorite show of the week, and they were talking about how like the tradition of losing to the Titans in stupid ways and just <clears throat> not being good against them, like it like it goes back to like 1999. I mean, it has stayed around through generations, and it takes a lot to change that. And the Chargers have sure as heck set up the tradition of charging it. And I don't know what they can do to fix that. For as, you know? for as long as I've watched the Chiefs, they've done that since the very early 2010s or even late 2000s. I could always count on the Chargers messing up a game and giving the Chiefs a win. And I'm guessing that culture probably goes back even farther than that. Yeah, I mean, they've never won a Super Bowl, right? 
Yeah, the only I team think in the division. They've played in a Super Bowl, if I understand correctly, but that's it. It's probably like once or twice, so not a great history there. But they would definitely be the team that disappointed me the most outside of the two we're going to talk about more. So with that transition, let's go ahead and let's move on to my favorite segment of the show, all things Duval. So I've got two things I want to talk about today. And the first one is something I just posted on earlier today. Of course, this will go up on Thursday. We're recording on Tuesday, so this won't really match up with anyone watching or listening. But um, I want to talk about the defensive coordinator because that's the big hot topic this week after the game. So the question really is if Mike Caldwell should get another chance after this season if everything stays as it is. If we don't see drastic improvement or really just any improvement you know should we consider moving on or um do we stick it out with him yeah i think the jaguars just need to move on i looking at how they played against the chiefs and how wide open the receivers were and looking how they played against the lions where the lions had no issue scoring whatsoever the i feel like he's just not managing the players right or calling the right plays, or all of the above. And like you said, unless he drastically improves, I, no, they have to move on. I just think he's not the right atmosphere for the team, and he's not the right coordinator. You guys need someone who can work with your players better and can call better plays than that. Gotcha. Yeah, and I, I agree to some extent. I think he's kind of got a mix of two things going on he's trying to run the scheme he wants to which is a very good scheme he's trying to bring over what tampa did and very much succeeded with the last few years but he doesn't have the players for it and so good defensive coordinators they need to be able to set up their scheme to their players strengths and in the offseason that's where you you know retool your roster change around who you got to fit what you want to do and just clearly they're not there they don't have the uh, the players to do what he wants, but he's not transitioning either way. He's kind of just stuck in the middle. It's like he's making some changes, but it's just confusing. It's not really worked out. So I think that they need to you know, seriously evaluate where he's at, see if he's going to make anything better throughout the course of this year. Um, if they have another game where they can't force a punt, that might just be the final nail in yeah, the coffin that right be, there. That should be it then. Yeah, but I have, I still have confidence in him. I still think he can get things done. Um, he just needs to transition. You know, he needs to learn the coordinator job. It's hard to, to get down the first year, but that's uh, that's kind of part of it. He's just gotta gotta figure out where to put players. I mean, I I've talked about, you know, even on the article I did, like as crazy as it sounds. Devin Lloyd, you know, he's sitting on the bench right now. He's struggling. And the main thing is that he doesn't know, like, what his assignment is, what he needs to do. That's part of the problem with being a linebacker. He's a guy who can rush, and he's a guy who can run block. Why not try putting him on the line? Why not put him on the interior or the edges and just say, all right, we want you to go get the quarterback? Pretty clear. You can't get confused on that play. You know, like you got to be kind of creative with it. See how you can use these players. You know, it's kind of dumb to have your first round pick sitting on the bench 
and not developing, not learning anything, only losing confidence. And, and it being also a player who won Defensive Rookie of the Month in September just doesn't seem very smart to me. Yeah, but, you need to. I that's That brings up a good point. I think you guys might need to move on just for the sake of your young players not getting disheartened in the team. I think you guys might need to move on so that the young players know they're they're not crushed in in the sense that they still believe in themselves and they don't think that they're the issue. I think getting rid of the defensive coordinator shows that, okay, you guys aren't the issue. It's the coach. We'll get you a different coach and we'll start winning again. Could it also dishearten the team, though, to move on from a coordinator the first year? For example, LaVisca Chenault was a player we had a ton of hope for after the first year. And then we changed offensive coordinators to, uh, I think it was, went from Jay Gruden to whoever the heck Urban Meyer had. And then he had a terrible year. And then we changed it again this offseason with a new head coach again. And he couldn't even make the roster. He had to get traded to Carolina. So I I almost kind of wonder about that too. Like the Jaguars need continuity. If there's any way they can keep him around and any chance that, you know, a reasonable chance that's going to work out, then they should, you know, stay invested. And it's not like this is just some random guy. Mike Caldwell was a very good linebackers coach and he did it on the Super Bowl winning team in 2020 um, for the 2020 season, 2021 Super Bowl, however you call that. So I think they need to stick with him for now. But if things get really bad continually down the road, then, you know, they've got to consider making a change. Um, one guy that immediately comes to mind and also, interesting enough, has been mentioned a ton on Chiefs Twitter is Vic Fangio. Much like uh, Peterson, he's had a year to kind of relax. Um, he has been with the Eagles as a defensive consultant, but that's not as big of a role. He's had a lot easier this year, and no, so maybe he comes back, back better. Yeah, he's not going to go straight for head coach. He's not going to get that job. He's going to need to be a coordinator. He's been great as a coordinator in different places. So it makes sense for a team like Jacksonville or even the Chiefs to go after him as a coordinator if they have the spot open. And then, honestly, if the Chiefs picked up Fangio, I think Spagnolo. while I'm not super impressed with him, he he did improve the Chiefs' defense by a large margin. That could legitimately be a, a... gap filler or maybe even a defensive coordinator for a few years in Jacksonville that I think would work. I don't know if it'd be a long-term solution, but I do think it'd be better than what you have now. I don't want to take on people's trash. That's <laughs> but that's it's my a Super Bowl contending it. trash. Yeah, but it's not... like really shiny. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't make the Super Bowl because of Spagnola. No, you know, but I... I would 100% say it helped. If if they'd kept Bob Sutton, our old defensive coordinator, it sucked. If they'd still had him, I don't think they would have made the Super Bowl. So in a weird way, getting Spagnuolo did take them to the Super Bowl. He just wasn't the deciding factor. I don't think it'd be bad for the Jaguars, but I would think that you guys should go after someone who is more proven. Yeah, and teams that settle don't win Super Bowls. So I'm not settling for 
Spagnolo as my defensive coordinator if he gets fired from the Chiefs. <laughs> I just think that's stupid. I also uh, just want my just personal the Chiefs opinion. instead of the Jaguars. So I need I need yeah. that to happen so well, that way. Ideally, Mike Caldwell just works out, but yeah, you'll have we'll changed my mind. I think you guys need to keep him. <laughs> sure thing, sure thing, sure thing. And he can go destroy the Broncos like he will this week um, with their former head coach, though, in the future. So you got that one. That's to look forward to. Yeah. Um, the other thing I'll talk about just for a moment, you know, the Jaguars need to make some changes on the roster the rest of this year. Um, we already mentioned with Devin Lloyd, you know, just trying something different. Um, they need to just take some chances and they also need to learn what they have in their players. The biggest change that has to happen in my mind, Darius Williams needs to be a boundary cornerback. I know they signed him for the nickel. I know that's their goal, but Shaquille Griffin ain't coming back next year. He's not, he's probably not even going to start another game this year. He's done. So you need an outside cornerback. Darius Williams is an outside cornerback. He is not a slot cornerback. Maybe instead of just sitting here and thinking, oh, we absolutely need outside cornerback in the draft or in free agency again, take the guy who's struggling in the interior and move him to his natural position. Give him five games. If he plays good enough there, there's a there's a spot on your roster that's solved. And I know it won't fix uh, posing offenses doing really good against us because then you're just moving Monteric Brown into the slot. He's not really fit to be there. But Darius Williams is a bigger part of the Jaguars' future. And if we can send him up on the outside and get that figured out, I'd rather have to worry about drafting a nickel cornerback in like the third or fourth round than going after, you know, like a Christian Gonzalez or Keely Ringo in the first round being handcuffed there because if we don't get him, our defense sucks. So I think that's one thing. I think they need to have a running back committee as well with Jermichael Hasty, Daryl Henderson, get those guys involved. Etienne, unfortunately, as good a running back as he can be, he has uh, turnover issues. And that is going to kill the Jaguars. And until he's gotten rid of them, you know, his playtime needs to be a little limited. And very few teams just have one running back. And by very few, I think it's only the Titans who do that effectively. It's not, this isn't a one running back league anymore. You have to have other people's system. Like the Chiefs, as much as I love Pacheco right now, we have to have Jarek McKinnon for the third down plays. He's a great passing back and he's really good at blocking. You can't have a single running back team anymore. And to the to the different positions and moving players around point, I think that your guys' season is done now. I think you, the Jaguars have to look at it that way too. Not that they should. They lose actually game. shouldn't. They they. I think they need to look at it like it's still going, as long as it's alive. I mean, as in terms of swapping players around, I think you need to start testing out different positions for different players and seeing what works because even if they don't want to admit the the season's over, you need to figure out what players you're going to be keeping next year and where they'll be starting and what positions they'll be playing. So I think you need to start testing around with that now rather than in the off season or in training camp next year. Yeah. hundred percent. I would rather know whether Darius Williams is a part of this team's future now rather than ask the question later we need more answers than questions when we're going to the off season or, or just more answers in general 
It didn't make sense what I was saying. So, yeah, that, that's really why I want to hit on the Jaguars with. We haven't really gone into details about the loss, but there's not much to really hit there. They just didn't play a good game. You know, defense just couldn't stop them. They couldn't do anything. And, you know, Andre Sisko being out definitely hurt, but it doesn't excuse giving up 40 points. And oh, did, the Lions are good. I didn't see the early part of that game because by the time I actually looked at that game, it was decided. So how did Trevor Lawrence perform? He was fine. Um, he wasn't great necessarily, but he definitely didn't take a step back. I mean, definitely his best part of the game was him coming out in the second half, scrambling, making runs after the injury, and leading him down the field for a touchdown, and then getting two-point conversion. Although that play wasn't really Lawrence. It was just a really interesting call by Doug Peterson that worked out really well. So he was fine, um, but it wasn't the four-touchdown performance we were talking about last week. (laughs) I I mean, I think that was a fair prediction. The Jaguars... Now... I, my other point I made about the Lions last week does stand true. They have played really well at home, and I think that that uh, their coach there, what's his uh, name? Um, Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell, yeah. Yep. I think that he has changed that atmosphere, and even though they've not been great on the road, and their record's not great, their, how they perform at, in their home stadium is a huge boost to that team. And I think that they just played another great game. Yeah, I think home field advantage had to do a lot with it. But I think the main thing was just Jacksonville's mentality. And I, I'm not going to go into that too much. I don't really want to talk about it a ton. I also know we need to talk about some other things. But I think Jacksonville has a problem overlooking teams that they think are worse than them. Um, they've done this with the Texans. They did it despite losing nine times in a row. They were throwing jabs at Matt Ryan before the week six game, calling him a sitting duck in the pocket. And so now I really wonder, you know, with the Lions, if there was any of that going on. And that's a big issue I think they're going to need to fix. Maybe it's not an issue anymore, but what I've seen points to that being a problem still. So that's all I'll say on that. But you ready for Chief stuff? Yeah, I was just going to mention that culture is just a really big thing to team and atmosphere and making sure everyone's on the right page and not too cocky. But yeah, I'll move on to the Chiefs. All right. And I'll, uh, I, had a, I had a question for you. I was going to say, are the Bengals the best team in the AFC or one of the best teams? Or are they just built really well to beat the Chiefs? Because their roster is almost a perfect match against the Chiefs. So which one do you think plays more of a factor? Yeah, that's a good way of putting it because I would just say both right off the bat. I think they deserve to be called both right now. I think this question gets answered more when they play the Bills because if they beat the Bills, I think they're just the best team. Yeah, And that's the main thing. But if they lose to the Bills, I think it's more so about being the Chiefs. But what kind of makes me lean more towards them being the best team right now is that they beat the Titans too. They beat them after what happened last year where the Titans fans were saying like, oh, they didn't win that game legit. Even the Raiders fans said that. Like, they go and beat these teams again. I think the not only is the roster great in Cincinnati, but they have a mentality 
to where they just show up to these games and they play hard. I mean, when was the last time Travis Kelsey was like stripped of the football? That's un- unheard of. Yeah, never. And you can't blame him for that because the he has always fallen forward for yards like that. That's been why one of the reasons he's so great is that when he gets tackled, he falls forward for like five yards while being tackled. So you can't blame Kelsey for that. That was just a defense that wanted the ball, and they got it. And that play, I would characterize as the most important of the whole game because the Chiefs were going to not put that game away but make it very hard for the Bengals to come back if they had went down the field and scored that drive. So I think the Bengals just wanted it more there. At least their defense. Yeah, their defense did a lot. And the offense did too. I mean, Joe Burrow had a really great game. He had, I think, 300-ish yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. He played really good. So they just, as a team, they really wanted that game. They're not in this hangover anymore. They were 0-2 to start. Now they're, what, 8-4? and So that's an 8-2 run since then. I mean, right now, they look like the best team in the AFC. And they have momentum, too. And it's very similar to last year. Now, I don't think they'll be the Super Bowl contender this year. But you can't discredit that even one bit. There's a chance they can do it. And to talk more on the Chiefs in that aspect, Joe Burrow did have a solid game. And they, they, they showed their depth at wide receiver this game with Chase not actually having the biggest role even. But you also have to take into effect that the Chiefs' secondary has been terrible, and they've been terrible for years now. And, I mean, there's twice on that final drive, thanks to the Bengals' coaching, which is one of the parts of the teams that is not good. It's not the worst coach in the league, but they had a chance to put that game away, and they called a play that gave the Chiefs one more shot stopping them even. But the Chiefs had two shots on that final drive to get the ball back and have Mahomes with no timeouts, but plenty of time still to go down the field and win, win the game outright. And they couldn't make a single stop, not even on third and 11. I couldn't so, believe it. Yeah, it was. And I could, I could see it coming because I've watched the other two games against the Bengals where the chiefs defense could just never make a stop. And I think that, as good as the Bengals are, and I will say that they're at least the second best team in the AFC. I think the Bills actually stack up against them better. And I think the Chiefs, if you flipped a coin again, could beat them also. Because the Bengals got a lot more of the turnover balls and a lot more of the, uh, not a lot more of the calls, but they had the two big calls that impacted the game. So with And the fumble. So with all that stuff happening and just barely being the Chiefs, I think the Chiefs could beat them if they played them. But I right now would have them as probably second best in the AFC behind the Bills. And I would also credit the Chiefs for for them being built really well against the Chiefs. With so many wide receiver threats, the Chiefs have the defensive players to take out one or two threats. But when you have more than that, the Chiefs, they're putting a, like a six-round rookie on a wide receiver two. And I just don't think that's a that's a good matchup. Yeah, the Bengals just have so many ways they can go on offense. They really have three great, well, good receivers, and you know, two of them I think are great. One being greater than the other, but they just have a team that is really hard to stop. They have a quarterback who's super efficient, who really doesn't make huge mistakes other than week one of this year. 
um, I, I'm impressed with them. And it'll be interesting to see what they do against the Browns and the Bills coming up. And that is a, one really quick point about the Chiefs secondary is that that is just Spagnolo's plan is that it's a very Bill Belichick-esque plan, which is eliminate your top threat. He does it against Diggs, and he partly did it against Chase this time. Not against the other games, but in this game, he he partly stopped Chase. But the the issue with that plan is if they have a second wide receiver who's also really good, they torch us. Like Gabriel Davis torched the Chiefs secondary. And Higgins had a great game. So the I'd move on to another point about the Chiefs is that should the Chiefs reset their roster at offensive tackle in the offseason? Yes. Yeah, yes. and I would 100% agree to. Yep. You can't... Orlando Brown, barring against the Jaguars for some reason, where he performed amazingly. And Andrew Wiley. And Andrew Wiley, who also... Was going to mention that. Against, but both of those players, and especially Brown this game, he was the most disappointing. Wiley actually didn't do terrible against the Bengals. But Orlando Brown, I just watched as Bengals defenders just ran around him and just got pressure on Mahomes right away. And there was multiple drives that were stopped because of that reason alone. And I think Joe Tooney, who is out for this game, he'll be back almost certainly next week because he was questionable to play this one even. But with Joe Tooney out, Orlando Brown had no help. And he, he just showed that he doesn't stack up against even just kind of mid-level defenders. He gets beat by guys who aren't even well-known around the league. And you can't have that. So I think the Chiefs have to completely reset it. They have to... I would prefer if they sign a veteran at left tackle. I don't want a rookie at left tackle. They need to go and get someone who's proven to be good at left tackle. Not someone like Orlando Brown who is like, oh yeah, he went to left tackle and did fine. They need someone who is a proven starter at left tackle. And they'll have to find ways to get the money to pay him. But knowing the Chiefs, and they've been able to do that for multiple years now, they'll find a way to pay somebody. But for right tackle, I think they need to spend a high draft pick on it, a first or second. Yeah, you guys need to definitely focus on that in the offseason. And tag and trade. Tag and trade. That is the three-word um, saying I'm going to have for you because – if you can learn your lesson, you're going to learn from the Jaguars. Look at what they did with Cam Robinson. They paid him like $18 million a year to be the left tackle. And they signed him for a three-year contract. And what did he do on Sunday? Oh, yeah. He got beat by James Houston, sixth-round rookie <laughs> on a ghost move that ended up nearly taking out Trevor Lawrence for the year. The worst thing you can do. When yeah. you have an average to slightly above average tackle, tag and trade him, get a pick, get something out of it, and go get another guy in the draft because you are so much better off. Because now the Jaguars, they have him for another year. And they have to hope he plays better before yeah, they can move and on. And you need a left tackle. You That's the most important part of the line. And yeah. the Chiefs... They they showed what they showed they can they proved that they can draft great offensive linemen. They got Trey Smith and Creed Humphrey, and that center of that line has been insane. And they proved they can go and trade for great offensive linemen or pick them up in the offseason as free agents with Joe Tooney. So the the interior line is great, and if they can get two tackles that are at least just better than what we have now, Mahomes sitting in the pocket 
is becoming just as dangerous as scrambling Mahomes. And he's improving year after year inside the pocket. And I think we have to get tackles to further make that easier for him to just stand there and almost play more like a Brady or a Manning where he doesn't have to scramble. And I think that's key to the Chiefs' success down the road is getting tackles that can allow him just to be safe in the pocket and not have to scramble every time. But that's all I have for the uh, Chiefs today. Yeah, you guys might have some really good prospects you can look at in the late first round because obviously you'll be drafting there. You'll want to look up uh, Olu Fashanu sometime. I already told you to do that, but maybe, maybe. We'll see. But yeah, (laughs) you should go look up that name. Um, Let's move on, though. We're going to talk about this week to come, and the Jacksonville Jaguars will match up against Satan himself, the Tennessee Titans, and they are heading into the pits of hell to do it. So... On this game, um, man, both teams are going to be angry. They just had awful performances this last week. And like I said earlier, I couldn't believe that Jacksonville's performance might not have been like the worst in the division. It might have been the best. I mean, the Titans feel terrible right now. And they're going to be motivated in this game. And they know, quite frankly, that if they can beat Jacksonville in this game, they're heading to the playoffs. The only way they are really um, going to miss it is they lose this and or the Colts get it together. And I don't think the Colts are getting it together. I think Jacksonville is probably the only team outside of the Titans that could get together and win that division. It even has a chance, yeah. Yeah, and it, that chance is pretty much gone. So, you know, we've got hope for one more week, um, you know, and then if they lose, it'll be mock draft season finally took a little longer this year um as far as the jaguars what they need to do i think they need to have a good clean run game they haven't had that for a while they've got this run game that makes mistakes or it just doesn't get going they're going to the pass too much that's a huge part of this and then lawrence needs to exercise his demons against the titans i remember last year um when he said before the game he was just gonna let loose you know things weren't going well at that point of the year he had to do something different well, let loose meant to throw four interceptions in a game and score zero points. So I don't want to see that again. I don't want to see my least liked team in the NFL intercept my franchise quarterback four times. I don't think it's going to happen. I think he's going to play fine, but um, it's hard going up into Nashville for this team. They struggle every year. Uh, we're going to need our cornerbacks to step up. And thankfully, it's the week where they're not going to be challenged as much as they have been recently. The Titans offense is struggling. They're um, missing a receiver. I actually, when I was doing the uh, notes for this, wrote down A.J. Brown as the guy they had to cover. I forgot that he wasn't there. Not even a joke. Um, we'll have Andre Sisco back as well. That'll help out a lot in coverage, the run support. Um, I just think this is a game for Jacksonville. They've got to win it. But... I don't think they're going to. I, I can't predict them to win in Nashville until they win in Nashville. I can't yeah, predict them to even to. beat the Titans until they beat the Titans. Although I will probably predict them to beat the Titans in week 18. They have to show they can do that first. They have to show they can go up there and win. And Nashville is such a hard, that is such a good home field advantage. The Titans play there well every week and their fans there, albeit they're fans of an evil team. Yes. are uh, very devout and they're very loud and it is, it is hard to go into Nashville. And I know that from watching the chiefs every time they go to Nashville, it is a rough game 
And I would love for the Jaguars to go and beat the Titans because I don't like the Titans just because the Chiefs and the Titans have almost had their own little rivalry the last five, six years. But I can't predict the Jaguars to win. I just, the Titans, this game is, might be the most important for them for the whole rest of the regular season. Because they win this, they've got the division pretty much locked up. They could lose like three games and be fine. So I think they're going to go out and they're going to play really hard. And I think the Jaguars will make it close for a large chunk of the game. But I think the Titans will have the lead. And when they have the lead, all they have to do is let Henry run and the game's over. So yeah. I think it, I would probably have like a 27 to 14 game. Titans. That's not even close. <laughs> uh, I think I mean, um, they would score late. It wouldn't be two scores for the whole game, but I think with they'd get a lead early. And I think with Henry, I don't think they can give it up. Not in Nashville, at least. Yeah. One good thing for Jacksonville is that the Titans offensive line has not been playing good recently. If there is a week where Trayvon Walker or Josh Allen are just going to go straight up, get some sacks. This is the week. This is the week we need it. So there's a chance that they could be effective. We need Fadukasi and uh, Hamilton, Roy Robertson, Harris. All those guys need to step up in the run blocking. This is going to be their toughest task task of the year. Um, They have a shot. They could go win this. I would be surprised if they did, but I think that, this game is it, it could either be a really close loss or it could just be a blowout. I could see Jacksonville folding at this point of the year. They've done that so many times before. It's hard to predict against it, but this team's also a little different. Still got the, uh, the Jacksonville brand to it, but who knows? It's, it's probably going to be a loss. Just what way is that loss going to come? So. And a final point on them. If Traylon Burks doesn't clear a concussion protocol, which so far it's up in the air if that happens. The Titans are down to one reliable receiver on the whole team. So that could actually be something that impacts the game because Burks has kind of been, he's really showed up here the last few weeks. He's become an important part of that team. Yeah, and we could get him with Tyson Campbell. Um, You're talking about Robert Woods, right? Yeah. Yeah, Tyson should do fine on Robert Woods. So then it's really just, players who uh, might not be NFL caliber going up against each other. Exactly what you want to see in a game, of course. We want to look at the Broncos-Chiefs game now? Yeah, we'll move on to that. Okay, so... I don't like to usually get cocky about games, because the Chiefs make them really close all the time. But if there's ever a game where I think the Chiefs should 100% blow out their opponent, there's no excuse for why they shouldn't. It would be this game. And that's going to, it sounds so cocky, but the Chiefs with Andy Reid don't lose twice in a row. It doesn't happen. The last time it happened, Mahomes was out with a knee injury. So, and in that season, they won Super Bowl, though. So, but <laughs> back to the Broncos. I, nothing about their team says that they should have a chance at winning this. Now their the defense Chiefs could. Their defense is good, but even their defense in recent weeks has looked not as good as it should be. Even they've been struggling recently. And I think the Chiefs 
with how mad they were for that Bengals game. You saw Mahomes in the sideline after his final drive. Pulled he a Tom was, Brady. Yes. Yeah, he did. He did a Tom Brady face. And you know what happens after the Tom Brady faces? It's never good. Some poor team gets obliterated just by proxy. It wasn't even their fault. And I, I think the Broncos are going to get murdered here. I think their second game against Chiefs late in the season, they, they might actually be competitive in that one for a bit. But in this game, I think by the end of it, the Chiefs will be up at least two scores. And it will have been a solid win that uh, people can overreact to on uh, after the game, including me. Yeah, it'll make you guys feel a lot better once this is, once this is over. I feel like this game is going to look like a blowout in the score, but I think there's a chance that there's some uh, turnovers by the Chiefs offense. I think this could be a game where like Patrick Sertan could intercept um, Patrick Mahomes, battle of the Patricks. I think that this is going to be a game where the Broncos can't score. The defense is trying to keep them in it the whole game. They're having some success at doing it, but Russell Wilson quite literally does nothing, and it proves why this was flexed out of Sunday Night Football. And it's like a 24-6 game. That's actually probably what my prediction is going to be, 24-6. Yeah, and I think that could happen. The Chiefs played the Steelers last year in the playoffs, and the Steelers got a defensive touchdown right away. And for like half a second, it looked like they might win. But then the Steelers offense couldn't do anything. They couldn't get any momentum or even capitalize after that anything. So it could be similar to that where some, some tip pass could go up in the air or, or a bad throw. And the Broncos could get a pick six on it even. But their offense, barring the Chiefs just completely shutting down, could should never be able to keep up with them. Yeah, I think that there's the proclivity for the Chiefs offense to make a mistake and to give Denver a chance, but I just don't think Denver's going to do anything with it. I think as the game goes on, the hope's just going to kind of fade away and it's still going to look like a blowout. I don't see any way this game does not look like a blowout. If it does not look like a blowout, you guys, quite frankly, might be uh, yeah, evaluating be some things. If this game isn't... Uh, a destruction. I think the Chiefs can't they shouldn't hold back in this either. They need a big win to inspire the team now. Even against a crappy team, blowing out an opponent like that would be a huge boost to the team. I think the team kind of needs that after the Bengals game. Yeah, that would be great for you guys. So yeah, now that we've talked about the games we care about, let's take a look at the rest of the week 14 schedule. So we've got uh I don't know if there's any great games this week. I think Chargers-Dolphins could be interesting, but it's sort of a whatever yeah, week. a little rough. Yeah, I mean, I think Jets for Bills. our teams it's important, you know, but... The Bills are looking to get revenge in the Jets. That could be an important game. Yeah, I've got, I've got the Bills beating the Jets in that one. I just, I don't think that they're going to get swept. They got to keep the number one seed as well. It just doesn't make sense to me for the Jets to beat them twice in a season. Yeah, I, as much as I would love for the Jets to beat the Bills, I just, barring a Mike, uh, Mike White uh, superhero uh, hero game, I Potentially. can't, yeah, I can't hope for them to beat the Bills. I don't think it's realistic. Now, it could happen. Division games are always different compared to 
non-division games. Division teams always play harder. And I would be incredibly happy if it did happen. And I think it will be close scoring, actually. I think the Bills will make another stupid mistake. But I think the Bills overall will still win it. It's at home. I think they've, uh, yeah. I can't, I would love for the Jets to do it, but Bills are going to win. Yeah, I think the Bills are going to kind of put it together throughout the course of the season. I think they're going to kind of turn back into their early season form as the games go on, and I think this is going to be one of those steps towards it still. The next game, Bengals and Browns. Who do you got? Oh, that's got to be Bengals. If, uh, that'll be a close game, though. The Browns have actually had a really good record against the Bengals recently. That's been one of the teams that they've actually been able to beat. But I think I think the Bengals have too much going on right now. They have, they have they just got off a huge win, and I think the Browns just aren't solid enough to do it. But I wouldn't be surprised if the Browns actually did win some close game because they they've had their number recently. I'm right there with you, but I think it's got to be done by the Browns defense. Well, uh, Watson's just he's not good. I think it's just the simple truth. They screwed up. They should not have picked him up. It's a problem there. He hasn't played for, what, like two years? I mean, he's just not who he was. They've made a mistake there. I think they're going to lose this game. I think the Bengals have the mentality to go win this. I think the Bengals might actually go on a run in a few games against all odds. I think they could go beat the Bills. They They have that mentality. And I think they'll exercise their demons against the Browns this week. So next game, Steelers and Ravens. And we've also got Lamar injury in this. It's going to be one to three weeks from what I read. So He will almost certainly not be playing this game. Yeah, so who do you got in this one? Uh, I've got Steelers. Kind of like what I said earlier, I don't think this team can win without Lamar. And they barely won against the worst team in the NFL without him. So. I think the Steelers, at home with the Steelers, no, I think Steelers win. And I think it might even be by a couple scores. I don't have faith in the Ravens to go in there and win. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that one. I think the Steelers are inching closer to the 500 mark. You know, they're they're going to have the advantage in this game. They're going to have the only starting quarterback in the game. So I think they'll get it done. I think... Sure. Uh, they're going to get get closer to playoff appearance. Yeah, they're actually not done with this season yet. There's no way that team would ever go and win the Super Bowl. But I think they're actually playing to get to the back to 500 even. Yep, just like they're, they're you said. They're not 100% done yet. Yeah, Steelers do that every dang year. Chargers and Dolphins. Mon- or sorry, Sunday night football. Who do you got? Sunday night. That was a good Sunday night game. Uh, unlike what... Uh, it was going to be, but yeah, at home with Chargers, I think the Dolphins have to win it. I I think it'd be a, a good game. It should be a really fun game to watch, but I think the Dolphins need to prove that the 49ers was just a fluke or that was just a team that was built perfectly to counter them. And I think that they'll show that the Chargers, even though the Chargers are a solid team and they play well. I think the Chargers will make mistakes and they'll choke and the Dolphins will win. Yeah, it's so hard for me to choose a team in this. The Dolphins are the better team. 
but their travel schedule is so awful. They just came out to the West Coast to play the 49ers. I'm assuming they're flying back to Miami throughout the week, and that they're flying back to the West Coast again to play the Chargers. I mean, they have an awful game coming up. So I think they've got a chance to still win it, but I'm going to go with Chargers. I think they've got to stay alive. It's hard for me to see them go 6-7, and seven, but maybe at the same time it isn't. That game could really go either way. So Yeah, it should actually be a really fun game to watch. Yeah, I'll definitely be sitting down for that one. Raiders and Rams. Battle of the Juggernauts. Uh, yeah, it's got to be Raiders. Yep. I, they're, on a, they're on a bit of a roll right now. They always play better as the season goes on, and they're playing a crappy team. So if, if the Raiders don't win that, something terrible has happened. Yeah, I agree. Raiders are going to win that game. Rams are just broken right now. Stafford probably won't even come back this season. That might have already even been announced. I know he's on IR, so I don't expect anything from the Rams. Um, next game, uh, there's an obvious answer to this. Cowboys, Texans. That's yeah, a blowout. Yeah. The Texans aren't trying. They're not going to try. Though they're now, getting ready for Jackson. there's a little bit of a rivalry inside of of Texas between those two teams. But if the Texans were going to win any game, it would have been against the Browns, and they couldn't even do that. So they're getting killed by the Cowboys. Yeah. Well, like I said, they're looking to Jacksonville. That's that's their two biggest games of the year right there. And got to get I, their two wins. I know. I It won't shock me. It'll hurt, but it won't shock me if that's how it ends. Cardinals and Patriots. I've got Cardinals being the Patriots in this one. They're off a bye, so that's going to help them out a little bit. And, you know, Hard Knocks can't be dead this early in the season, right? I'm going to go – I'm going Patriots. I have more faith in the coaching of that team. I have, Well, not the offensive coordinator coaching, but the head coach. And I think they've looked more solid compared to the Cardinals. Now, they're going across the country to uh, – Arizona, but I I think the Patriots will actually win a probably kind of ugly game. Yeah, it it's probably going to be pretty ugly. You're not very confident in either of those teams at this point. No. Yeah, sorry, six and six Patriots. Uh, Vikings and Lions could be a really close game. Um, I've got the Vikings edging them out, but it wouldn't shock me if the Lions won this to get to six no. and seven. It's it's at home for the Lions. That's an important uh, part of that game. I think, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna call Lions. I think this is one of the games that the Vikings kind of choke every year. They have one or two games where they just lose to a team they should beat, and I think it's going to be this game. I think the Lions are actually going to win at home and make a big statement win. Yeah, it won't shock me too much. I just I also could see them going into that game a little. Little cocky, a little bit because they just came off a huge win. A lot of a lot of players were looking forward to that game. Well, they've got a lot of people from Jacksonville over there. You know, Mark Brunel's there, um, DJ Chark. You know, there, there's quite a few guys. Um, Eagles and Giants. This one's got to be Eagles. I, I think the yeah. Giants are just kind of collapsing at this point. They're the, heading straight back to 500. I wouldn't say it's got to be Eagles, but I'd say Eagles are going to win. I. If stuff went wrong in this game, and if the Giants, like a stray fumble right away, and the Giants get up a score or 10-0 or something, 
they might have enough room with Saquon Barkley to kind of win this. I am not going to call that at all, but I would say it's probably 85% Eagles win, but it might be closer than what it should be. Yeah, Saquon Barkley is going to probably have a pretty big day. The Eagles run defense, I know, has been one of their big issues because I just hear them constantly talking about, oh, we're going to go get Jalen Carter with the Saints pick. Um, and, you know, he's a really good interior guy for the run stuffing. So I think uh, you'll probably see Saquon do a lot this game, but I don't think it's going to be enough. You know, running backs can't win you every single game. So. In the final two games, we got 49ers and Bucks. Um, I've got the the Bucks falling to the 49ers. I think that the West Coast travel is going to be a problem once again. And yeah. Brady has this history of struggling against backup quarterbacks. It's time for Brock Purdy. And if he was going to win, if if it was in Tampa Bay, I might actually go with the Buccaneers. But across yeah. the country. I think 49ers have to win that. If they don't, something crazy happens. There's some fluke play somewhere that decides that game. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And the final game, Seahawks, Panthers. I think the Seahawks are going to pull this one out. It'll be... Best game of the week. Yeah. Uh, at least there's one good team in it. That's that's the good thing. <laughs> but I think it'll be a decent win. You know, nothing too impressive, nothing too bad, but... It'll just kind of be what you expect. So Yeah, the Seahawks have looked a little bit rougher recently. They're not on as much of a high as they were early this season, but they should win that. Yeah, they, I don't see that's the ex- expectation. Yeah, plus they're setting up for a big divisional game the following week with the 49ers. So they got to stay alive till then. But let's, uh, let's go ahead. Let's wrap this up. Uh, final question of the show. If the Chiefs were able to win on Sunday, what went right? They didn't make any mistakes. No offensive tur- turnovers. I think what you said, it would have to be offensive turnovers that would get the Broncos into this game. Because they need they need a fumble on like the Chiefs' own 35 or something. They would get them so close to their red zone, they could just get lucky a couple times. So as long as the Chiefs protect the ball, no crazy Mah- Mahomes throws, no behind-the-back passes. Although, if the Chiefs get up a couple scores, I'd like to see that. But that's uh, wishful thinking. Uh, Yeah, as long as the Chiefs just don't turn the ball over, I think they'll be fine. Yeah, I might even amend that, too. If you guys don't commit five turnovers, you win that game. I think you've got (laughs) to do a lot wrong. It's got to be more than just one stray fumble, yeah. Yeah, because I think you'll win with one or two turnovers, quite frankly. It's got to be like four. The yeah. the Broncos before have, uh, I think back in the 80s, they put grease or something on their jerseys so that the Chiefs couldn't uh, tackle them. So they might do that again, except on the Chiefs to where the ball slips out of the Chiefs players' hands. Yeah. And in that case, I think they win. It'll look like Philadelphia in week four. Five oh, yeah. turnovers. I'm still angry. Uh, I think for Jacksonville, um, Elitien, that's who it comes down to. And I, I probably got to call him ETN with the fumbles. I don't think I can use elite right now. Um, he needs to have a great game. Yeah, he's got to earn it back. If he has a great game, if he plays really well, if he's getting multiple touchdowns, if he finally gets that like huge rush, I think we can win. I think that's what we need. We need the run game to be great. We just need that one player to step up. You know, and Lawrence can step up and this team can still struggle because of the receivers dropping balls. You know, we're leading the league in that. But 
if Travis Etienne steps up, that's half the game that's going great. And we can control the clock. We can control this game if we can get ahead. If he plays great, I think Jacksonville can win this, get back into the playoff hunt, and you know have a shot at least in the middle of December, which is something we will be very thankful for if that happens. So, yep i I hundred percent agree with you. I think if the if they are going to win, it's going to have to be with setting up the run game. Your offense is going to have to be able to control the clock because that's if the Titans control the clock, they win. That's just how that team works. Yeah, we cannot let this game get out of hand. We've got to come with our A game and play great. It's the only way it's going to get done. Well, we appreciate y'all joining us today for the latest episode of On the Prowl, presented by Cardiac Cats. And we'll see y'all next week after week 14. Week 14.